All right, everybody, welcome to a special Thursday edition of the MSP Initiative Live. We've had him on many times before, and I have a lot of different names for him. We called him <laughs> Legal Superstar. We called yeah. him a superhero. We called him a um, man of the people, the people's champion. I mean, I feel like I'm, uh, you know, Don King wow. up here. Uh, but uh, <laughs> here we bring back uh, Mr. Brad Gross to the show. A couple of housekeeping items before we get too deep into the show. Uh, MSPinitiative.com, where all of these sessions, including the past ones with Brad, uh, are all posted. We now actually have that up in podcast format. So you can actually download that to your favorite podcatcher. Uh, so if you go under sessions, you'll get all of the information about how you can do this as a podcast or actually watch the video format. They're all here for you uh, whenever you feel like you want to have a listen. Uh, it's our last giveaway of the year. We've got 10 prizes by 10 vendors. All you got to do is throw your name into the form. No purchase necessary. You might win literally just, you know, you don't even have to buy a lottery ticket. So just put your name into the form to throw your name in the hat. You may win one of 10 prizes. Last but not least is our next MSP community block party uh, is, is now public, right? We're doing this at Zero Trust World, uh, hosted by Threat Locker. Uh, that's going to be on International Drive the week of the 20th. Uh, so if you want to check out the last block party, which we did at IT Nation, it's all online. And if you want to request an invite to the next one, feel free to go to the block party page and throw your name in the hat. Uh, so that'll be the week of February 20th, literally across the street from uh, where IT Nation uh, is usually held. So can't get lost. So with all that being said, uh, those are our housekeeping items. Uh, we already have South Florida, George. When are you coming down here? Yeah, I'm going to start buying a uh, <laughs> a condo or something. I feel like we're down there a lot. Mm -hmm. Keith Nelson already says, this weekend, the Cowboys secured the NFC East title. Talking about zero trust. Can we trust the Eagles as a team? Ah, ha, ha. All right, Keith. It's a fair well, number question. One, it's a fair question. One, the Washington football team, I feel, might have to forfeit because they don't have enough players to actually take the field. Um, I feel like 18 players on the COVID list right now. So, hey, I mean, all good for me. I'm going to be in South Philadelphia on Sunday. Feel free to watch my social because, you know, I'm pretty loud about it. And, you know, that's not that's not real news. But all, all things considered, Keith, we'll see. You know, listen, the season has four weeks left. A lot can happen. If you cannot name your team, you should lose. Uh, okay, hold on. Wow. Whatever actually made you get up and oh, goodness. Um, as your counsel, I might advise you to not do that. But all right. It's, done. <laughs> it's already done. It is what it is. OK. All right. I didn't say the name. I just showed no, it. But anyway, it's all good. Um, so welcome to a special edition of the MSP Initiative Live. Uh, every time we talk, uh, Brad, more and more ideas about how to deal with the you know the current realities of the technology world which seem to mm -hmm. like shift by the week i feel like yep uh, it's an I amazon agree. outage on one day or if it's microsoft on the next day or like everybody just takes their turn to just create a little bit of you know what's that commercial the mayhem guy right you know he's just always like you know crashing always his there. car in here that's right always yeah. lying on some disaster somewhere and it, yeah and it, that seems to be the um the trend and it has been the trend for 2021 and i have come up with 
a couple of things that I think will be the trends, the most talked about things, whatever you want to call it, for 2022. All right. Well, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll let you on go my trusty and... whiteboard. I'll let you. I'll let you go ahead and give us. This the... is my trusty whiteboard. Okay. This is, this is it. All right. I don't know if you can actually see them here. It's a little hard to see. Hold it up. Uh, I'm going to hold go. it up a little bit. Oh, the, oh that what? was the first one I was going to bring up. The Microsoft pricing. We're going to talk oh, about Microsoft dude. pricing. Should we just do it one by one like they yes. do on Sports Center or something? You know, yes. Ding, 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 ding. All right. Let's Microsoft. All right. So let me first check that off as that's the first one we're going to talk about. Microsoft NCE pricing. Okay. So. Yeah. Why is a lawyer talking about Microsoft pricing? I don't know. Well, answer, because because uh, it's a reality. And it's a reality that MSPs are going to face in the next three months or so. Uh, for those of you who don't know, and I can't imagine that anyone listening to this wouldn't know about it, but for those of you who don't, Microsoft is changing its pricing for a lot of its applications, Dynamics, um, a Power Platform, uh, 365. So any, any really any seat-based um, solution that Microsoft offers, it's changing the way it is pricing them. And the way it's being modified is uh, by contrast to what has been, which is it used to be, or and it currently is, that Microsoft allows MSPs to license things by the month, month to month. What Microsoft has decided to do in its infinite wisdom uh, is move away from that model and say, all right, if you want to go month to month, that's fine, but it's going to cost you 20% more overall. Otherwise, what we're going to do is move to a year or three-year based model. So that means that MSPs, in order to uh, uh, um, uh, leverage those discounts, they have to start buying blocks, uh, licenses in blocks of one year or three years. And why is that important? And why are we even talking about it? It's important and we're talking about it because MSPs have to think, well, if you're laying out this money on the, ones, on the one hand, right, to Microsoft, you better make sure you're getting that money on the other hand from your customer. And then now we're gonna talk about termination. What happens when a customer leaves your service, right? What happens when they leave your, um, uh, move away from, from the services you're providing? Well, do you have that covered? If you don't, well, you need to have that covered and you should have that in your documents. Among the many realities that we've talked about in the past, you know, clients that don't listen to you, upstream providers failing and so on. Well, this is one of those realities, termination, right? Because everything ends often not well. And when it ends, you have to think about, well, what obligations am I going to have to my upstream provider, i.e. Microsoft? And what do I want to make the customer responsible for, right? If you have a one-year deal, you better make sure that your client can't get out of your contract before that one year is up. Well, so, I, th I, think the I think the challenge, Brad, and, and listen, yeah. I mean, there's the, you know, we often have to balance and we talk about balancing the legal aspect and just the realities of day-to-day, -day, you know, running a business. Yeah. If, um, and, and this happened, forget Microsoft for a second. Let's just talk re realistically. Mm -hmm. um, you can have an agreement. It costs money to enforce agreements. It takes time to enforce agreements. It takes energy to enforce agreements. In the meantime, Microsoft doesn't care. They're getting paid and they're going to continue to take their money or else their, their approach is going to be, well, we're just going to shut off 
the entire partner account and then obviously other customers involved there, that's going to be a problem. Right. So, so at the end of the day, Microsoft's new position under this new program is, hey, we're raising our pricing. I don't think anyone's really super salty about the price increase per se. I think the concern is that the MSP stuck in a crap sandwich where if the guy who's supposed to be paying the bill at the end of the line disappears for every reason, you're going to be stuck paying whatever the balance of that is. And, and Microsoft really just doesn't care. Right. I mean, and you really also, by the way, that risk down. you can't even transfer that license to another customer. That's See, correct. So it used to be a lot of vendors out there would allow you to do that, not endorsing or going against, but I'll just throw it out. Like, for example, Datto used to do a lot of three-year deals. And then you were able to, if if you wanted to move that to a different customer, they'd let, they'd let you do it. That's fine. Yeah. Okay, good. Microsoft won't let you do that, right? So if you have a license with customer A and customer A leaves, not only is the MSP on the hook, but you can't take that license and say, well, I'm going to move it to B and B will take over. No good. No good. These NCE licenses stay with the customer. So that's a problem. It's a problem that needs to be addressed in your, in your agreements. And the way to address it, okay, in your agreements is to say, exactly what's going on to explain it. And that's what I've started doing in, in agreements that I draft. I've started explaining the fact that as part of these services, we, meaning the MSP, we have to obtain these licenses. And as per Microsoft's requirements, you know, they're one-year licenses, they cannot be transferred, they cannot be terminated, we're on the hook. Therefore, regardless, regardless of the reason why we may stop providing a service to you, you customer, you understand, you have to pay out the balance of that license. And by the way, you can make it very clear that customer, you can take that license to a different provider if that's what you want to do, but you can't leave us on the hook. You can't leave us having to pay for a license that we can't use, we can't transfer, and, and we're stuck with. So that's a problem. It's something that I think MSPs need to be aware of. Yeah. So, I mean, so here, so, so this is the next question, right? Which is, mm -hmm. Why should um, that, you know, if that, you know, you, you've said over the years that, hey, don't rebrand things just because you think it's trendy, right? Microsoft's right. Microsoft, Amazon's Amazon. You have upstream vendors and you should expose those vendors in your agreements and say, here's the terms of service for Microsoft. Here's the mm -hmm. terms of service for your antivirus, your firewall, your whatever, right? Effectively, the MSP is a consultant, is an advisor who's then taking products and effectively reselling them, right? Right. So in a nutshell, the argument is, well, if I don't want to get stuck in the middle of this, why don't I just have the customer go direct and not have to deal with it, number one? Of course, number two is, well, why don't I do something different? Why don't I set up a marketplace style situation where effectively I'm putting these products into a catalog, no differently than going to Amazon saying, hey, you want antivirus? Hey, go to this page and you can pick whichever one you want and we'll support the ones that are listed, right? Like at that point, are you still on the hook in that model where the customer's really making the decision and ultimately you're just facilitating a transaction? Well, as far as, you know, just inviting a customer go, to go directly to Microsoft, I guess that's always an option. 
Um, I think that MSPs like to have that walled garden, right? The same way Disney has it, where, you know, you go to our park, you stay at our hotel, you go to a restaurant, you've never left our premises, right? It's all within that walled garden. I think that that's the model that MSPs like to pursue. They want to be the provider of the Microsoft product, of the BDR, of the, you know, of the security awareness solution, whatever it is, all in one big stack and, and offer it in that way. Um, so to the extent that MSPs are willing to divert or move away from that model, well, I guess they could, right? I guess they could send them to Microsoft. Uh, it, I think, might be more administrative headache for the MSP because now they're dealing with customers that don't quite understand the licensing provisions and are signing up for things and maybe not buying enough licenses or buying too many and so on. So that comes with you know dangers of its own. As far as uh, getting, uh, I think that your idea is an interesting one, the marketplace idea, right? Setting up a marketplace and then basically working it that way. I think that the validity of that or the, or the reality of that will come into focus as we see what the licensing agreements are that Microsoft is going to be offering. Um, you know, I think that the whole idea of, of, of a marketplace, like you're suggesting, is a great one from an MSP perspective and probably a really good one from a customer perspective as well. From Microsoft's perspective, I think it sort of undercuts what they're trying to achieve. Uh, well, you know, the I, whole... I mean, but listen, Microsoft, I mean, you know, we don't have to take very long to go through the history. There was on-prem exchange servers and people hosting it in their data centers. Yeah. Then Microsoft came out with Microsoft BPOS, Business Productivity Suite, mm -hmm. which was not, there was no channel for it. There was no distribution for it. It was, you know, directly sold or the reseller bought it and then effectively just passed on the costs, mm -hmm. beyond, you know, unbeknownst to Microsoft. And then turned into Office 365. They introduced a distribution route. They introduced an advisor model. And now it seems they're going back saying, well, we just want people to come direct mm -hmm. again. And it just mm -hmm. has come full circle. So Microsoft's going to do whatever Microsoft's going to do. Agreed. The argument then becomes, well, wait a minute. <laughs> you, Microsoft, sell this at every level. There's retail, there's direct, there's distribution, there's in it, you know, you know, indirect, there's reseller, right? I, you know, but at the end of the day, the MSP is now sitting back. And, and by the way, you, you have Keith over here is very verbal. And I'm going to bring some of his points to the table. Keith's like, while your, while your idea has some uh, has some value, my concern is service delivery and efficiency. Right. We as an MSP should focus on service delivery versus cost blue light special. I think we should present a site-specific package and retain our customers for value. Keith, I'm not arguing about the fact that- mm -hmm. Yeah, none, none mm -hmm. of what you said is, is, is incorrect. What I'm saying is- if the liability and the risk is being pushed to the guy in between, the partner, the reseller, the value added, whatever, pick whatever term you want, then you can dilute and defer that cost by going back to the ultimate consumer of that solution, right? The person who's using it is at the end of the line that we call the end user. And if they select and if they choose and all you're being compensated for is, hey, I now want to hire you as a consulting you know, a person, firm, agent to help me, you know, deploy, use best practices, you know, maintain, right? At that point, that to me, that's no different than I have an inside IT person who's an employee. They went out into the marketplace, they chose a product, and now they're bringing in a third party to help them implement because maybe they don't have enough knowledge. But the risk is a lot different when you pitch one solution, sell one solution, and transact on it. I, I, at least that's the way I understand it, Brad. 
I agree. I think you're probably both right. Um, you know, I think that Keith's point where he says that uh, uh, concern is service delivery and efficiency and so on. That was the point that I was trying to make, which he summarized very nicely in, in the sentence, which is, you know, once you um, divest yourself as an MSP of some of the delivery model of some of the uh, responsibility and you give it to the customer, well, you know, all hell can break loose at that point. And then that takes on a life of its own because the customer will mess it up or the customer won't have uh, an understanding of what's going on or may have questions. And that in and of itself, you know, becomes a thing. Um, so it remains to be seen. Uh, it remains to be seen, uh, you know, uh, how, how it's going to play out. But I think that these are the issues that we need to be aware of, at least. And so that is why it became first on my list of the 2022, see the list there? Okay, there you go, of 2022 things to think about. I yeah. don't think we're going to be able to resolve it now. Okay, yeah. right now. I believe but there's a lot that's going to change between now and June, which is currently like the new date, right? Is it the new date? I thought it was March. It could be June, they, they, right? They have since taken some feedback. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And have moved the date back to help them implement their program. I, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the, the talking heads out there are saying, well, they're seeing a lot of negative feedback and maybe there might be a change to the program. We don't know. We're hoping. Mm-hmm. Right. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think that, you know, Microsoft you know, says they've spent decades building out this channel and that they add these new resellers by the thousands every month. And this seems kind of anti-program. I it just like. To me, right. some, some bean counter in the back room said, this is going to really help our stock value. And that's not the same person that runs the channel but, you know, for Microsoft. Agreed. Agreed. So. Well, I'm glad to hear they pushed it out. And, you know, you're saying that they're taking some uh, constructive criticism, which is a good thing. Good hey, thing. the fact, the fact mm-hmm. that the big guys will listen is, is already something more than we've seen in a long time. So Agreed. Agreed. Um, All right. So what's next on your-, your Number your two magic? on my list. Yes. So I'm going to first- Actually, not just check off. I don't know how they do it. All right. I checked it off. I don't want to. I'll end up writing on myself and drawing on myself. It won't be pretty. All right. Next, fiduciary duty. What is fiduciary duty and why am I bringing it up? And why do I think that that's going to be a trend in 2022? Okay. Here we go. Fiduciary duty. You ever go to a doctor? Well, hopefully you haven't gone to a doctor with the example I'm going to give, hypothetical example. You go to a doctor uh, for something that's wrong with your shoulder and you take off your shirt and the doctor sees this big thing growing out of your neck. Doesn't say anything. Notices it, kind of looks at it, says, oh, that's interesting, but looks at your shoulder. God forbid that thing growing out of your neck turns out to be something bad, right? Doctor didn't diagnose it, missed it. Can you sue your doctor? Well, Historically, without getting into personal injury and med mal and so on, historically, plaintiff's attorneys would argue, well, the doctor breached a standard of care, right? He owed a duty to his patient to not just look at the little area of the shoulder that he was, you know, complaining about the patient, but he actually saw this thing on the neck with his training and all should have known that that was something bad and, you know, just didn't do a thing about it. So what we argue is that they breached, doctors breached a standard of care. Okay, now what does this have to do with MSPs and why am I bringing it up? All right. If you have been listening to me for years, I know you have, George, but I'm talking to the audience out there. If everyone has been listening to me, they know that what I have been saying is that your documents need to specifically say that 
you're, that, uh, that a service will either be provi provided or facilitated if it is listed in the agreement, if it's listed in the statement of work, if it's listed in the order, the proposal, whatever it is. If it's in there, then you get it. If it's not in there, your document should say, you don't get it. We have a relationship of a contract. If it's in there, you get it. If it's not, you don't. All right. So I'm sitting there one night looking up at the ceiling, which is kind of crazy that these are the things I look at. I think about when I look up at the ceiling at night, but I'm thinking, all right, if you have a contract and it says that we're going to give you A, B, and C, and um, you thought you were getting D and you didn't get D. Can you come after me if I'm your MSP? Well, the answer, I, my knee-jerk reaction is no, because it's a creature of contract. I said, I'm giving you A, B, and C, right? And we specifically say, if it's not in here, you don't get it. D is not in there, you don't get it. But I'm thinking, you know, there are plaintiff's attorneys out there. I'm not a fan of plaintiff's attorneys. And I'm thinking, how would they start suing MSPs, right? Because that's where the money is starting to be, or at least it's, it's been there for a while, Plaintiff's attorneys are starting to recognize that, okay, with the events of 2020 and 2021, the failure of upstream providers, they're recognizing now that MSPs, you know, that's where the gold is. So how do you sue an MSP if the contract says you're only getting A, B, and C, they didn't give D? Well, I'm thinking, what if a plaintiff's attorney turned around and said, you know, MSP, on your website, you talk about you're a trusted IT advisor. You are a trusted, right, trusted IT advisor. You can count on us because we are an industry leader, blah, blah, blah. A lot of MSPs, you know, market themselves that way. All right, it is what it is. You know, it's a, it's a tough world. Everyone's trying to, you know, uh, uh, separate themselves from the pack by pointing out how wonderful they are. Great. So what if a plaintiff attorney turned around and said, well, listen, <clears throat> um, MFA. You should have implemented MFA into my client's network. They were hacked. MFA would have prevented it. And as a result, you're responsible. Now, the MSP turns around and says, no, 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 I have a contract. And it says A, B, and C. It doesn't say MFA. It says A, B, and C. Your guy didn't hire us for that, so we're not doing it. But what about that doctor example I brought out, right? What if that plaintiff's lawyer sat back and said, true, it's not A, B, and C. But here's the thing. You're their trusted advisor. And when you implemented A, B, and C, you had to have known or at least have seen that MFA was not in their system. It wasn't implemented. And you had to have known or should have known, right, as their trusted uh, IT advisor, that MFA would be a really important thing for their salespeople to have on their mo mobile phones, on their devices, and so on. I mean, you're their trusted advisor. So I understand they didn't ask for A, B, and C, but don't you think you breached the standard of care by not at least mentioning that MFA, by not implementing or at least trying to implement it and let them reject it, as opposed to you just thinking it's not A, B, and C. So that's it. Interesting argument, right? It's an interesting argument. It is not a perfect analogy, but it's sort of in alignment with a med mal type argument, which is, do IT providers have a standard of care such that if there is something that they're aware of in the client's environment, but is not, they're not being hired to address, do they have to bring it up? Do they have to address it? Do they have to do something? Or can they sit back on the strength of their contract and say, 
we are A, B, and C, and that's it. It's a great question. It is a very, um, it, is, it is more important and sensitive and more of a hot button than you can imagine because plaintiff's attorneys are looking for ways to sue MSP. So how do you avoid this? What do we do, right? What do we do? Well, Brad is sitting there again. Now we're back. I'm looking at the ceiling because this is what I do. I'm thinking what they're arguing is fiduciary duty. Fiduciary duty. See, there it is. Fiduciary duty. What they're arguing is in this hypothetical is that the MSP is such a trusted advisor, has such a close relationship with the MSP that one would normally expect and should reasonably expect that the MSP will do things more than your average service provider. This is not the person coming in and, you know, dusting off the desk and leaving. This is a person who, you know, is such a trusted, you know, has such sensitive, uh, a sense of relationship with the customer. They have a duty beyond the contract. That's the argument. How do you get around it? Well, first of all, I'll, I'll go on the record and say, I don't believe that such a duty exists right now. That type of case law is sort of an evolved way of thinking in the mid-mal area. Lord knows it came after a hundred years of case law and so forth in a lot of different scenarios. And, uh, you know, there's a big difference between uh, the med-mal area and, and, and IT services. That said, what do we do? Well, I think that we need to start saying there is no other relationship. This, now, this is something that goes in agreements. It has to be very clear that says our relationship is governed by a contract. There is no extra fiduciary duty. Just because we are your trusted advisor does not mean that we're taking on all roles in your managed environment. It doesn't mean that we are going to necessarily recommend or even think of all the things that might occur in your managed environment. That issue, I think, needs to be addressed in your agreements. It needs to be addressed with your customers. You need to understand that because, unfortunately, there are plaintiff's attorneys out there that I am sure are just waiting for MSPs to start messing things up or, or at least being accused of missing things. That's going to be the central claim. And I think that the MSPs need to be prepared. That's a trend in 2022. What do you think, George? I mean, it's interesting. Actually, Keith brings up a point. He's like, uh, hey, you know, I was an expert witness here in a case in California where there was a forensic audit and the attorney on the one side said that material misrepresentations mm -hmm. uh, on the website, you know, contradicted what the contract said and vice versa. Right. And I, I always I mean, in every agreement, it's like, hey, moving forward, this agreement is the Constitution. Whatever you read before this term, you know, like you need to read this and understand it now, whatever, like whatever came before this doesn't matter. Right. Kind of thing. Right. But, but at the end of the day, it's like, you know, you get a, somebody that's good that can try and twist things. A lot of these times, Brad, a judge or a jury, they're non-technical people. Right. And you're trying to take very complex things and explain them to somebody who has no clue other than how to turn their computer on. Right. So the big, the big argument is, um, as all, I mean, and the, the, the big thing that kind of breaks this whole story open is the whole security realm, right? The ransomware, the, the, you know, somebody hacked into the account and downloaded the data and spoofing and all the other stuff that comes along with that. Every other day, it feels like there's a new security thing that has popped up and is now front and center, you know, and, and, and there are cases out there, Brad, right now. And, and there's one in Ohio that has been brought up previously where, you know, the claim is that, you know, 
the MSP didn't, you know, de de deploy the solution in the best practice according to the vendors, whatever, whatever. And that's right. what they feel led to the issue. They're, they come back and say, well, it's a co-managed deal. You know, you had access, we had access, we did what you asked us to do. Not sure exactly what you want from us. Okay. Number three co is co-managed. Funny you should say that. Go on. You should tell it. your listeners and viewers, this was not shared with you before no. this event. No. That was not. So this is just serendipitous. Go on. I'm yes. sorry. So yeah. So 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 there's this, there's this concept of, you know, you are the expert. You should just know and do. And you know, I, I just feel like there needs like things need to come back down to earth just a little bit and it needs to be brought back to, <laughs> Hey, I took my car to a mechanic. Right. I changed my tire. Okay. I left with a working tire. Then my check engine light came on for something completely unrelated to the tire. These are two separate things. Right. And like, <laughs> it just seems like that's hard to get across in technology land. It, it's also, you know what, you, you bring up a good point that they're two separate things. It also goes to how MSPs are marketing themselves, right? If you are marketing yourselves as a trusted advisor, then be aware that you might actually be held to that standard, right? So that's fine. Then hold yourself to that standard. Maybe it, it behooves you as an MSP to do an entire network audit, to have them fill out a questionnaire, to see if there are things there that are, are vulnerable. The idea being that maybe you won't find everything, but at least you've done some due diligence, you've done a good faith investigation, and then make recommendations to a client and let them decline these services and send out a declination notice, right? I mean, maybe we're moving into the phase where MSPs in advance of being sued or in advance of this type of litigation happening, need to step up their game, okay, and focus on what they're promising their customers and, you know, what they can actually deliver. So I, I think that at the very beginning of your comment, you brought up a very good point, which is your agreement should say, Okay, from a legal perspective, we call this a merger clause. All right, fancy lawyer lingo by of a way of saying that your agreement should say that any promises, any guarantees, any representations that don't make it into the contract or our statement of work or our proposal, they're off the table. Okay, marketing is marketing, reality is reality. That is at least the very first step that everyone should have in their agreement. Now, is that foolproof? No, because, you know, ultimately, if an MSP goes overboard, and I do mean goes overboard and markets itself as the, you know, best thing since sliced bread and the trust advisor, and you could sleep well at night, and they put that, I've seen them put that in contracts, they actually put in contracts, 100% sleep well, That all right. You know, you can't say it on the one hand and then say, but, you know, whatever we say on the other hand doesn't count. So you really have to be careful about how you're marketing these things and what you're saying in your contracts. And I think that marketing fluff is a wonderful thing. It doesn't belong in your contract. There should be a merger clause that says, you know, everything else that's, if it's not in here, then you don't get it. And all representations and all, anything that's in the contract, that's what we're going to give you. Anything other than that is out. Um, and I think that you probably are well advised to say from time to time, especially in larger clients, uh, there's no fiduciary relationship. There's nothing implied here. There's nothing expressed or implied. Our relationship is one of contract and that's it. 
I think that that is a trend that we need to think about, something that you're going to see in 2022. And I am telling you to think about it right now. I think I'm probably so, the so, only so one talking so, about it right just now. Just a reminder, just to, I you know, put some some street knowledge to the, you know, or, or advice to the table. And again, I'm not a lawyer. This guy is. Um, yeah, don't copy somebody else's agreement and just put your name on it. Uh, hello. Uh, that's going to get you in trouble. If you don't understand what the agreement's supposed to do, mm-hmm. you probably need somebody to help you with that. Even if you want to model something after somebody else's agreement, you definitely don't, just don't take a boilerplate. I think that's, or just a Xerox of somebody else's stuff. Cause yeah. you know how it works. It's whispered down the lane. This guy took a copy from this guy, took a copy from this guy. And by the, t- by the way, 10 years has progressed and like things have changed too. Right. So like, don't do that. I enjoy it when when they take uh, other people's documents and they still leave the old person's name in it, right? The old company's name, or somehow it says, uh, "If you uh, if you have to sue us, you agree to come to Kentucky." They're in New York, of course, but it says Kentucky. Why Kentucky? I don't know. It came from the other agreement, but you know those kind of templates are good to give you an education about. Gets you thinking, right? Gets you thinking. But I agree with you. You know, just mere copying and. and it's not worth it. Not worth and, it. And, right. and don't so, mm-hmm. just take the boilerplate website and marketing material <laughs> package without actually reading it and understanding what's being said, right? If you know, I'm not trying to knock the marketing firms out there, there are a lot of good ones, there's some bad ones. But if they're just regurgitating the same thing over and over again, just moving it to a different state or city, yeah, and then they're saying, oh, well, this is how you get new customers. And back to your point, you know, that's where some of these misrepresentations could occur when you didn't yeah. even realize what they what they did for you. They you know, that's a great them. point. And it goes back to our first topic, Microsoft pricing. A lot of websites offer these 90 day money back guarantees. Right. I am not putting that down. I'm telling you now, I'm I am uh, uh, agnostic when it comes to these guarantees. I mean, I do have an opinion, but I'm not going to give it right now. But what I want to say is this, you know, if you're going to take that 90 day warranty and copy it, let's say from another website, I love the wording. I love this. And remember, somebody signs up with you, you might actually have to buy some Microsoft licenses. And then if they cancel on day 89, you're stuck with those licenses. So just copying someone's marketing, right, could actually lead you down a bad path. You have to accommodate realities. And that goes to your agreements. So yes, follow we up. Do not- do not Xerox, spend a little bit of time in the beginning. And by the way, just because you did it five years ago, doesn't mean that it's still good today. Like it's something that you yep. need to keep up with. So um, just good, good practical advice, not, not lawyerly advice, practical advice. Agreed. Um, Agreed. But, all right. So what's, so right. let's talk about co-managed. Co-managed. That's, that's co-managed. Right there. Okay. Co-managed and, and coming up is quoting software and then regulations. So co-managed. I didn't know that, but now I do. Now you do. Co-managed. What's the issue with co-managed? Well, what we're seeing is that um, IT, internal IT departments are becoming more hybridized, if that is a word. Uh, what companies are starting to do is they're moving away from the model of internal IT and sort of engage in a hybrid model where you have some vendors that come in from the outside, some MSPs, that augment the IT uh, staff that's there or will take over certain functions of the IT staff that's in in the company. And the problem with that, the issue that MSPs face, is that in reality, if we think about it for a moment, 
an internal IT department is not going to be happy that an MSP is coming in, right? We begin with that foundational premise. Why? Because if the MSP does its job correctly, the IT director might be out of a job, right? As they move in and say, see how they can uh, form, uh, do things more efficiently and to scale and so forth, the IT director suddenly might say, oh, well, I think my days are numbered here. So what we often find is that MSPs walk into an unknowingly hostile environment. And the question that I have for all of your listeners, viewers, is what do your agreements say when you're entering into a co-managed environment? Do you acknowledge that? Do you, do you appreciate the realities that you're going to come into, that are going to come into play? And most often, MSPs will say, no, no, I never thought, I even thought of that. Why not? Like, for example, you are, uh, as an MSP, required to provide a service to a company. The IT director says, no, like you're required to update something simple, implement updates, patches, and so forth. IT director turns around and says, no, no, I don't want you to do that because we haven't, you know, we're not confident in the stability of that update and that patch. Now what? Do you do it? If you do it, you're, well, you might not be able to because the IT director might actually stop you from doing it. If you don't do it, well, then you're in breach of your own contract. So what do you do? What do you do in situations when you both have keys to the castle, right? You both have admin access. You both have keys to the, 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 the engine, right? That makes the, 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 uh, the company go round and something bad happens. Now what? Right. You know, no one likes to give over as an MSP. You never like to have an IT uh, internal IT department also have keys to the castle because that's never going to be a good thing. When something bad happens, fingers are going to be pointed. Right. So what do you do now? What? That's a co-managed environment. Right. What do you do when a IT director is just simply obstinate and doesn't say no to what you want to do, doesn't say yes to what you want to do, just sort of delays things and so on, which in my view is akin to declining a service, right? If somebody, you know, you say, I have to do this, this, this on this date, we'll get back to you. We're doing some internal stuff here in the office. We'll let you know that date doesn't work for us. We'll let you know. Now what? Well, you know, are you breaching your contract by not performing? I don't know, right? It depends on the circumstances. So I think that you know, and I've seen this through 2020, 2021. I believe it's going to be a big thing in 2022. Uh, I think that companies need to acknowledge the fact that co-managed environments exist and they need to set up the ground rules. They need to set up the ground rules because if they don't set up the ground rules, then the customer is going to set up the ground rules. And I promise you, the way the customer does it is not going to fly in the MSP's favor. So for example, if there is a conflict, what do you do? Well, the contract should talk about that. If there's a conflict, we have ultimate authority, right? That's one way. That's an option, okay? Well, what if they don't let you do what you need to do, even though you have ultimate authority? Well, then you bring it to the attention of the CEO and, and so on. I mean, you know, you're not going to punch your way in, uh, but that's option one. Option two, if there is a conflict, we will yield to your IT department. How's that? Okay. It might prevent you from acting the way that you think is in the best interest of your customer, but the contract says, if there's a conflict that can't be reconciled, we will yield to the IT department. 
What's the next step about that though? Well, there's a corollary to that, which is if you're gonna yield to someone else and let them do what they're gonna do, which might be contrary to what you wanna do, you need to make it very clear in your agreements that you as the MSP will not be responsible, will not be responsible for anything that happens after that, right? I wanted to implement a patch. IT department said, no, we talked, we conferred, it didn't work. They're not letting us do it. So just so you know, we're putting you on notice. We're not implementing the patch. And as per our agreement, if anything bad should happen as a result of this, that's not on us. That should be in your agreement. See, the co-managed environment needs to be acknowledged and handled specifically because it pops up and it reoccurs quite often. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, um, documentation trail in this situation is so crucial, right? Because mm -hmm. this is what's gonna save you or sink you. Um, right. You know, like there, if there's too much vague and ambiguity and gray, then you, it's your, I just assume that they're gonna say that it's your problem, right? Rather than, you know, like it's always going to end up like they always say the IT guys, one of the like top three professions that people hate. Yeah. Right. Cause like, right. Yeah. You know, they don't understand it. They're talking lingo. They don't get, it's always expensive. It's like, it's like the mechanic, right? Oh, well this, you know, sensor or whatever. And you're like, I have no idea. I just need to drive my car. So, you know, at the end of the day, I just feel like if you don't have a very clear audit trail or documentation trail of who said what, and what the decision was at that time, then they're always going to go back and say, well, you were the, you know, we brought you in, you were responsible. And you're like, well, no, I was responsible until you decided that you didn't want to do this. And then I wasn't, you know, right. it's like, I go back to the car mechanic thing. Cause everybody, you know, deals with that. I, I think on a, on a large scale, you, know, you go into the mechanic and it's like, yeah. So we, we ran the, the checker on the check engine light and this, this, and this are broken. Here's what the costs are. Yeah. I don't want to do those. Okay. Well, we gave you the price. We gave you the quote. You know, we explained what they do. It's on you. You drive out of here and your car explodes on the highway. Then on right. you, right? <laughs> right. But that's something that I think that MSPs have to think about. You know, sometimes they say in their zeal to get the job in the door, right? In their zeal to get the, the deal closed. They don't think about the fact that, oh, we're dealing with a co-managed environment, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, we are advertising ourselves as a trusted advisor and so on that goes back to fiduciary duty. Oh, we're giving them a 90-day uh, money-back guarantee without thinking, oh, wait a minute, in order to do this, we actually have to put money in and we're making an investment that we might get stuck with, right? These kinds of realities, and it goes back to how you began this whole presentation, this whole show, which is we always talk about these realities, right? And these are just so far, you know, the pricing, the fiduciary duty, the co-manage, those are three realities that, you know, aren't unique to 2022, but they're becoming more and more relevant and more and more apparent and need to be addressed. So, and my other thought on that is, you know, when people write their proposals or their statements of work or whatever document they want, whatever they want to call it that describes what they do, sometimes they think they have to write in technical terms or jargon and so on. I could tell you the best worded documents, the best worded documents are the documents that just explain it, right? That just explain it. We're going into a co-managed environment. What this means is that we're going to be operating sometimes, you know, in, in conjunction with uh, your internal IT department. And along those lines, there may come a time when our advice differs from their advice. Okay. In those kinds of situations, we're going to get together and try to resolve it. 
Uh, and if it can't be resolved, then this is how we're going to do it. Spell it out, play it out, right? That's how you sell a customer. That's how you manage expectations. Um, that's all, and that's also how you potentially solve things should it get yeah. to the point. Well, obviously the goal is to never get to litigation, but let's say you do get into a courtroom. Now somebody who's not very technical can understand. Well, that makes sense yeah. to me. It does You're not very complicated. Okay. But by, by the way, Keith says the most hated occupation is the Eagles quarterback, but the most loved occupation is the backup Eagles quarterback. Mm. He's really pushing your buttons today. That's nice. okay. That's all right. Let's nice. talk about the next one. I like it. Okay. So co-managed is off the list. Yeah. We're moving to quoting software. Okay. What's quoting what's, software? What's, What's the problem with quoting software? Because there's some is good there ones out there. There is no problem with quoting software. Uh, okay. Well, there's a problem with how I see MSPs using quoting software. Okay. They're Let's paying a lot of money to use software solutions that they're not only not using efficiently, but they're not using it in a way that lowers the bar of acceptance, meaning make it easy for clients to loading the bar of entry for clients to accept their contracts. Now, what am I talking about? All right, here's the deal. And I have preached this for a very long time, but I see that um, uh, 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 quoting software is now being used by more and more people. And you could pick your vendor. There are a lot of vendors out there that all offer these types of things. And, and, and I'm service agnostic. I could just say they all have similar features. One might work better for another, right? A Mercedes, some people like Mercedes, some people like BMW, some people like uh, Infinity. Okay, it's still a car, right? At the end of the day, it's meant to get you from point A to point B. Quoting software is meant to give you the ability to quote your services to a customer. All right, so why is it all messed up? The idea when it comes to agreements is you don't want the agreements to be the obstacle to closing the deal. Okay, so you want them to be enforceable. You want to manage your clients' expectations, okay, but you don't want them to be an obstacle to closing the deal. So how do we do this? And if you're using quoting software, what do we do about that? Well, <clears throat> a couple of thoughts, all right? A couple of thoughts about quoting software. To me, quoting software, the quotes that are issued from coin software should be like a receipt. If, if you and I went and, and you bought a TV and I've done that, I've given this example before you come out of the store with a TV, right. And a receipt. And I said, George, what do you got there? Well, you could show me the receipt, right? You could show me the receipt would say one Samsung model, whatever, LG model, whatever. Here's what I paid for it. Here's how many I bought. Here are, uh, here's when I bought it, where I bought it. Right. It tells me all that on the receipt. But if I looked at you and said, George, that is a great TV. I'm going to go buy that TV. But here's the thing comes with a universal remote. How do I program that? And also, um, how do I get it to work with my uh, sound bar and also my uh, Google assistant or pick your poison? Right? They're all valid gonna... devices. They're all fair questions if I'm buying a TV. But if you show me the receipt again, I'll say, George, you're not answering my question. Right. Where do I find these answers? I find them in the user manual that comes with the TV, okay? All right, what does this have to do with quoting software? In my view, everything. Too many MSPs are trying to shove the user manual into the quote, okay? They're making these quotes that are like 50 pages long, right? That are either too voluminous and turn clients off, and as a result, clients just don't want a part of it, or, or alternatively, they do delve into it, and now, 
now they're actually going to start looking at everything you're writing and everything you're promising and so on. To me, MSPs are stuck in a quandary when it comes to quoting software. Do they make them very specific and lengthy or do they make them short like a receipt? In my view, make them short like a receipt, but then how do you manage expectations? Answer, create a user manual. Create a user manual. The services that you are reselling and that you are providing are the same. If I were to resell the same you know, uh, uh, security awareness training program that everyone else sells, it's the same service. It doesn't change, right? What does change? The price I charge might change. The number of users might change, right? The times of availability, I don't know, for me to help support it might change, but the service doesn't change. Yeah. Create a user manual. Talk about the services that you're providing. Put details in that user manual. Then your quote should say, this quote, okay, the services in this quote are defined and governed under our user manual, which is here. You could attach it or post it. We could talk about ways on another broadcast about how to do this and so on. But the idea is that if you're using quoting software, use it to manage your customer's expectations, keep it short, keep it to the point, but manage their expectations so they don't end up calling lawyers when they say, I didn't know that you couldn't program the remote this way. I didn't know this, right? You know, to put it more in MSP terms, I didn't know that the BDR is only going to back me up twice a day. I didn't know that. Your quote says BDR service. So, 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 so let me, let me rewind for a quick second. So, yes, sir. so a lot of people use their quoting solution to, as their e-sign package, so that they can get everything electronically approved by the yep. end customer rather than print, sign, whatever. So what sure, they try sure. and do sometimes is they put the window sticker. I'm going to go back to my car thing because everybody mentioned. Here's the window sticker for the car. It's one page. Gives you like the MPG, gives you what features are in the car, gives you the price. Okay. That's effectively what you're saying is the receipt more or less. This is what your quote should be. Quote, you want to buy right. this? Yes. Now, okay. Mm -hmm. But then what happens is they try and stack all of their stuff, their statement of work, their constitution, all the stuff that they have to get signed. They try and bundle that in so that when they hit sign, they technically are signing both. Right. But you're saying that's a bad play. No, I'm saying that they have to sign the quote, right? Something The quote needs to be signed, right? Because they have to acknowledge what they're getting and what they're, and so on. But the problem that MSPs face is that they try to put too much into the quote. They try to put the legal into the quote, the reality into the quote, the explanation of the services into the quote. Quote becomes 50 pages long. And what yeah. I end up seeing, okay, is MSPs will show me their 50 page long quote and they'll say, oh, we're covered. Look, this is 50 pages. Whatever I need is in there. But it's not in there. But because it's 50 pages long, they thought things were going to be in there, but they're not. An MSA should not be in or attached to a quote. I believe services, managing expectations and so forth should be explained in detail, plain language to your customers. And I don't think that should be in the quote either. Right? That's my position for 2022. I, I, I think it should be in a different document. And your quote should begin with, this quote is governed under the master service agreement located here. Okay. The services that are in this quote are defined and governed by our user manual located here. By accepting this quote, you accept this and you accept that. Jazz hands, see that? And the idea is that if you don't agree with those documents, and you should say this, if you don't agree with those documents or you can't access them, then do not sign this quote. 
talk to us, contact us, don't sign this quote, okay? Now we proceed. Now, at that point, are you protected with the MSF? Of course you're protected. I mean, you brought it up, right? You know who does uh, this type of uh, 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 governing by reference? Everybody, every major company does this. But yeah, when you open be- up your iPhone and you have to do the 10,000 pages, yeah. Of course, exactly. it has to be clear. It has to be unequivocal. It cannot be hidden, right? It can't be a small font and gray, gray typeface on a white background when everything else is, you know, 15 point font, black on white. No, you can't do that. But the idea is use the quoting software to do what it does. Send out quotes. Everything else should be in different documents. And when you do that, and I know we have just five minutes left for the last thing, so I'll hit on that. But when you do that, I think that people are going to start using their quoting software more often. And when you do that, you're going to have a more efficient system because what MSP is Faster sales. Faster sales. Don't hold up the sales process. And what MSPs often do is because they don't want to go through the quoting system because the quotes are so long, so voluminous, or so, you know, ridiculous that they just do things and they skip the quoting system, then what? Well, that's a problem. When you're not using the software that you have, that's a problem, right? It's illegal. It could create a legal problem, certainly could create a expectation problem. So quoting software, those are my thoughts on it for 2020. By the way, Keith says, you know, I hate e-sign being 148 years old. We know. He says, I believe if you want to close a deal, you should go belly to belly and hand them a pen. And he says, kudos to Brad, efficient system, Highest cost in our business, focus on efficiency. Okay, good on both fronts. There. But it's all about, it's all about efficiency. I don't disagree with you, Keith, but you know, I think COVID made it a little bit easier to adopt electronic sign. But now, hey, hopefully we're going back mm-hmm. to non-pandemic times. I, 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 I am with you. We should go back to, hey, let me stop by your office and let's just finish this. And I'm all fan nice. of that. Yeah. We'll, see where, we'll see where we end up in 2022. Exactly. All right, last one, regulations. Regulations. <clears throat> That's right. a whole, I feel like it's a whole webinar, but go ahead. You know, it can be. So here's the thing. And I, and I spoke on this recently about what regulations should the MSP industry think about? What's coming down the pipe? Because there are states like Louisiana that came out with regulations that, that impact MSPs. So what should we expect? All right. Here are my, here's my prediction for 2022. Ready? Expect nothing, nothing. There will not be any further regulation of MSPs in 2022, the same way there really wasn't much regulation of it in 2021 or 2020 and before. Now you'd say, wait a minute, how can you say that, Brad? If you Google this, it says regulations are coming. Are you ready? And Yeah, those are pundits that are trying to stir the pot. Here's the thing. If you actually look at states that have regulated MSPs like Louisiana, what you see, if you actually read the statute, what you see is it's a very limited circumstance. It's where an MSP is providing a service to the government, all right, discovers a cybersecurity violation, let's say. And if it does, then it has a certain time period in which it has to report that to the government and make certain public disclosures and so on. All right. That oh, is such time a time narrow. Out. Time out. Time out. Time out. Time out. There's pending legislation, which I understand, you know, pending, pending, pending. They said well, all this stuff. But in Congress, there has been put forth on the Senate side, mm-hmm. hey, you know, if you're 50 employees or above or a government agency, you have 72 hours to report. And then there's also the insurance side of things, right, where, you know, mm. you're <laughs> you're now right. So like there, it's all it's three things kind of. <laughs> so I agree with patches. you. 
I think that there have been things pending in the past. They've gone nowhere. And if you think that in this Congress, that this kind of thing is going to be front and center, no way. Not in 2022. It's not. I, 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 it would be nice if it was, but it's not. That's, again, my prediction. I guess 12 months from now, you'll have me back and we'll see if I was right. Um, that's first. Second, even those, those uh, regs that you see are, that are being considered, they're almost always, in fact, I would say always, but you know, maybe there's one that I haven't seen before. So I'm going to say almost always limited to very, very specific circumstances where you are providing a, a service to the government, right? Or you are dealing with um, personal health information or, you know, a PII or something to that effect that's in your possession that you are actually processing it, which most MSPs do not do, right? They resell a service that the upstream provider processes it. They don't process it, right? They don't make that decision. So all of these things are so limited that I think that if you're going to say, where is the real regulation coming from? It ain't from Congress. It ain't from the states. You know where it's going to come from? What you said, insurance. Insurance. That's where it's coming from. You are going to start seeing, we've already started to see insurance companies regulate the industry by saying, we don't, we're, we're no longer just interested in um, what you provide, right? Oh, you're a remote monitoring management, BDR, technical consultant, help desk. Great. Sounds good. That was three, four years ago. Now what they're saying is, tell us which vendors you're using. Tell us what solutions you are implementing. Tell us what processes and procedures that you have in place to make sure that what you are offering is actually implemented. Tell us about that, because if you can't tell us about that, we're not insuring you. Mm. And when you can't get insurance, you change real fast, right? How you're doing things. Well, so that, or the, that claim, or the claim from your end customer's insurance doesn't get paid. Mm-hmm. That's right. I mean, at the end of the day, they're going to, somebody's going after somebody and it's good. That's be. it. So my point is that, you know, all these MSPs are worried about regulation, regulation, regulation. You know what? Worry more about what does your insurance cover? Do you have insurance coverage, first of all? And if you do, see what it covers, see what it requires, make sure that you're in compliance with that. 99.9% .9 of the time, the insurance regs say, what do your agreements say? How do they limit your liability? How do they, um, uh, you know, how are they accepted? How are they enforced? And so on. That's where the regulation is. That's what I think MSPs need to pay, pay um, close attention to. What the insurance companies are saying, what their agreements are saying. I think that if you're looking to the government or to the states and saying, oh, this law is coming down. No, I'll see you next year because it ain't 30, happening 30, in 2022. 30 seconds. So Matt Lee, a friend from, you know, good friend from now at PAX 8. He yes. says the insurance companies who are asking the, the, the actual questionnaire at the bottom, they're now saying who actually answered the questions in this questionnaire. Yep. As specifically because they want to understand who to go after if there's a misstatement in the questionnaire. So, like, right. are they already not targeting the guy in between already? Right. Well, not only are they targeting it, but you know what? They also want to make sure that the guy who's answering this actually has knowledge of what's going on, right? Mm -hmm. You know, who answered this? The front desk receptionist. Well, you know, I'm sure he's very competent at his job, but he can't really talk about how you're implementing a dark web, you know, scanning solution. So the idea is that um, I think that insurance companies are becoming smarter and smarter and requiring more and more. And 
that is where MSPs need to pay attention, insurance and agreements. Stop worrying about regulations. Stop Googling, oh, well, I hear California came out with this and they're thinking about that. It's not going to happen in 2022. Maybe it will. You know, hey, if it does, we'll have another webinar on it, right? We'll be back here talking about it. But right now, you're focused on the wrong area if you're focused on regulations. Focus on your business. Focus on insurance. Focus on the things that make you money and that make the wheels go round and that manage expectations. That's how you're going to make money in 2022. That was a strong end of year. Pay attention to what's coming next. I love the board. Absolutely. The board's great. We're gonna board, we're gonna bring yes. the board back okay. in early 2022. Good. By the way, uh, you know, Keith, uh, Keith from my team says totally makes sense. Well said, Brad. The other Keith from California, who's who's a Dallas Cowboys fan, clearly. Uh, he says that you were the best presenter of the year. He wants to put you up for nomination. I said, absolutely. So I accept uh, we're we're going accept to accept your nomination. There you go. We're going to bring I'd like to thank my parents. I'd like to thank all the people who got me. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, it was a nomination. I didn't win yet. All right. All right. We're going to, we're going to, the Carl were of whiteboard. Exactly. So we're going to bring Brad back in 2022. Mm -hmm. Um, There's more to talk about. And ultimately as time goes on, a lot of the topics we talk about things happen to them. Right. And they kind of progress. Like we talked about Microsoft, for example. So we're excited to, we're excited to have Brad back. You can find Brad online at, uh, I think it's bradleygross.com. Is that correct? Okay. And the podcast at technologybradcast.com. Correct. And on LinkedIn and Facebook, you can find them everywhere. Um, you know, exactly. So if you, if you think you need help or you need your agreements reviewed, or you want to double check that your website's not saying the wrong thing, or just generally make sure that you're not filling out in, in, uh, insurance questionnaires for your customers and putting yourself in a bad situation, um, make a phone call, put in a request, send an email, talk, you know, set up an appointment. You got nothing to lose other than a little knowledge. And I think that that's worthwhile. So there Thank you, you go. Much. Appreciate you, Brad. Thanks everyone for watching. We'll catch you next time.